welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Well, peace be with you. It is good to see you all. You know, the issue about um, not preaching for a while is that you got a lot of things to say and so you fit it all in. So, no, only joking. So I've got a few, uh, a few sort of minor announcements that I want to, well, they're not so minor, but a few senior pastor announcements that I want to bring to you uh, before I get into my sermon. And uh, one of those is sad but good news. Uh, the, sad but, the sad news is that uh, Peter and Joe Morton uh, will be concluding their employment here at the end of this year. Oh. Uh, the good news is that uh, they uh, are both going on to other positions. Uh, they are not finishing uh, here with our community. Uh, Joe is sensing a call to working with young people further on the fringes of society, and uh, so she's pursuing some uh, employment opportunities around that. And uh, Peter is sensing a call to somewhere else, which I'm just not at this very moment at liberty to tell exactly where that is, but uh, hopefully during the week or next week I'll be able to confirm that with you. But... Um, they, uh, they are, are finishing here after being here for five and a half years well. It's a long time, isn't it, to be in, in one place. They have contributed uh, well to our shared life and have done so in such a wonderful way. And let me hasten to add that they are not leaving the community here. They will still be worshipping here. They're just leaving paid employment uh, working here. So you'll still see them around. When We are very grateful for their ministry that they have brought to us over these last years. It has been significant. And of course, we will uh, celebrate their paid, the conclusion of their paid ministry uh, in due course with a celebration. But at this moment, to Peter and Joe and to their family, we say thank you. Thank you for what you have given, what you have done and what they have achieved over the last couple of years. They are both standing in the foyer. Can you believe it? If you want to turn around and we just maybe give a little round of applause. So, good eye. Good eye. The council and I are working through uh, what this means for the future and I hope that very shortly we'll be able to bring you in on the picture in terms of new employment opportunities. Uh, also, I need to let you know uh, two Sundays notice that um, uh, on Monday week, the 23rd, the evening of the 23rd, uh, we have a congregational meeting, which is our annual general meeting. So I uh, invite you to that. It'll be here Monday evening, the 23rd, 7.30pm. Come and uh, hear all the financial reports. If you like, I'll give a report, uh, the chair will give a report, and you can enjoy reports. Uh, there'll also be a multimedia projection as well. So it'll, if we change it up a little bit, you never know what could happen. Spirit could break in to a congregational meeting. So there we go. On a personal note, I want to say two things. And I don't say this facetiously, but I just say this to, to spare time and me repeating myself 500 times. Thank you. I had a great holiday. <laughs> Is that okay for me to say that? And just, it, it's been good. Camped over at the West Coast Wonderful. There was a few of us camping there um, and two or three billion flies camping with us. So that was really good. And then I spent a lot of time working on the house and um, renovating the house. So I just wanted to put that out there. Also want to, there's a lot of people that talk to me about my father who's been unwell and uh, has, has spent quite some time in hospital. And I want to thank those who have personally inquired 
to me about my dad. Uh, he has now moved to Estia Health in Aberfoyle Park and we've been able to secure a memory support unit uh, spot for him there, so which is really, really good. So thank you to all those who've asked me about him. Uh, and as, you know, as a, as a family, we are grateful for the provision of God uh, in this time in our family's life. So, so thank you. Lastly, can I just, uh, I know this is, we hear it all the time, but can I just remind you that we still are operating under COVID conditions. And so I know it's easy to forget that we have a threat around us, but we are a, a place under authority and we need to abide by certain conditions. And I notice uh, just very quickly, we're getting lax with those conditions. And like, I am the guilty one because I always stand up and drink my drink. I don't know how you catch COVID drinking a drink, but that's the rules, okay, which we are abiding by. And so could you please make sure that you abide by uh, what are the conditions of entering this building? And uh, it includes making sure we're seated apart so that we're not... Um, breaking the rules. I do hope that very soon uh, these will be relaxed and we'll be able to enjoy life in whatever normality will come our way as we go forward into 2021. Let me say a prayer. Thank you, God, for all that. We ask at this moment, we ask for clear minds to hear your particular voice to us as we engage with you. We've all come here or we're all turned on at a particular device in order to set aside time to engage with you. So we pray, Lord, that other things won't come in the way, that other distractions while we're at home or watching this at a later date won't call us away, that the things even here at this moment won't distract us from what exactly you are saying to us that we might be the people you want us to be. So we say, speak, Lord for we're listening. Amen. So in the New Testament book of Luke and in chapter 15, there are three parables that Jesus tells with the common theme. The common theme is lost. There is the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. And I wanna speak to all of these over the next few weeks. And today we begin with the lost sheep. So if you've got your Bibles and I encourage you, even if you're at home, have a Bible ready to open them up or a device, open it up to Luke chapter 15 and we'll start at verse one. I encourage you to bring a Bible if you're coming in person um, or in a notebook and jot down a few things that God may be saying to you that you need to remember for later. Now, I want you to let you know that the uh, book of Luke is a two-part series and you'll be stunned to know written by a man called Luke. Much of it is Luke recording what those who actually saw the life and events of Jesus said. And so he writes it down so that we don't lose it. And we are the benefactors of that, that particular body of work. Now, Luke is one part with the sequel being the book of Acts. Luke is actually the biggest contributor to the New Testament. And the book of Luke records, records the life, the works and the ways of Jesus. Whereas the book of Acts tells us how this outworks in people's lives and the difference that it makes to the society that is around. So if you are new to the Bible, new to faith, 
new to reading the Bible, then Luke and Acts are two good ones to read in tandem. So in Luke 15, Jesus tells these three parables. And a parable is a story with a meaning or a, particularly a story with a spiritual meaning. And he tell these par- tells these parables to a mixed audience. And there were people that were listening there that had a really bad and a dark past. There were people listening who were really curious as to this man, Jesus. There were people there who who thought they had it all together, but in fact had no idea. There were people there that we would find that would resonate with us. In fact, if you read between the lines of what I'm saying, it's this. Jesus is speaking to us because we can find ourselves in the crowd. Even now, even those who are watching online, those who are watching days or months or years later, Jesus is still speaking to us. And he continues to take these words of mine and use them. So whether you're physically present or you're getting this sometime later on an online stream, doesn't exclude you. Jesus is speaking. See, he's ringing, even at this moment. (laughs) And he wants to interrupt and say, I'm here, hello. He's spoken before and he'll do it again. And I have the faith to believe he'll do it at this moment, wherever we are. When Jesus tells this parable, he's speaking a language that they would all understand. For us, it's quite removed. And the story of the lost sheep is not really a common experience for us in urban Adelaide. So I'm going to try and unpack some of it so that we can hear the historical context and hear some of the depth of what he was saying. So Luke chapter 15, if you've got your Bibles. And uh, let me read from verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds them? Then when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and then goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people, righteous persons who do not need to repent. Amen. So when Jesus tells his parable, it's a story that contains a question at the beginning that has an apparent answer. And you're meant to know what the outcome would be as you hear the story being unpacked, as you hear the introduction. It's a bit like some of our Aussie irony, our dry humour, and you don't need to say the end because everybody knows the outcome. Like, for instance, me saying, what's the best football team in South Australia? We all know the... Gosh, you guys, are you awake today? Come on, come with me. Immediately, we are introduced to a farmer who has a hundred sheep. But this farmer has a problem. He's supposed to have a hundred, but he's found that he only has 99. 
He's got the receipts for a hundred sheep, but in the final tally, when the order is finished, there's only 99. Now he needs to do something about it. Now, you and I might be tempted to think, this is not so much of a big deal. I mean, think of it in the long-term perspective. Next year's lambs, well, it'll all come out in the wash, won't it? I mean, think about our year 12s. I've got a year 12 in my household at the moment, as I'm thinking a lot about year 12s. I mean, if one of them got an ATAR of 99, you would sit them down and say, where is the one that you've missed? <laughs> no, you would not, would you? If one of them got 99, you would throw a party, wouldn't you? That's extraordinary. But that's not how the farmer sees it in this story. Here is the simple fact that Jesus presents. The farmer leaves the 99 in search of the one. Verse four. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Question mark. This is the question that Jesus poses and expects us to answer yes to. And my answer to Jesus would be no. Maybe it's a different time and there there are some different things going on, but I have so many questions for Jesus. Was he looking after the sheep by himself? So he leaves them all alone, 99 in order to look for the one? How did the sheep get lost in the first place anyway? And how do you count 100 sheep and know that you've got one missing in the first place? I don't know if they're good answers and probably it's a red herring where I'm leading you up to, but... There is a bigger story here that I want to lead you into, a story that we should not miss out. There is a big point that we should get as we unpack this story that we should know from the get-go, and it's this, and it's on the screen behind me. The fact that one sheep has gone missing is important to the shepherd. Get it? One sheep's gone missing. It is important to the shepherd. 99, all good, all fine. Yes, one missing, not good. The shepherd is concerned over the one. And that's really important for us to know because it takes it from this big conglomerate right down to personal, to individual. And in terms of the parable, we can... We can break it up in two parts. If you're sort of a structure person, you, you're like this. There is a, this is the story about loss and searching on one hand and about being found and celebrating on the other hand. So let me major on the loss and the searching for the moment. The fact that there is one sheep missing is a big deal. So big, in fact, that the shepherd downs tools and goes to find that one. It's important that there were 99 safe, but not as much as the one that was lost mattered. The shepherd was moved into action because there is one who is not in the safety of the shepherd's protection. Now, if you read between the lines here, this is a parable fundamentally about the actions of God. Obviously, Jesus is talking about God's intentions, His strategic plan. He wants you to know of His long-range policy. Jesus was telling us about the heart of God, a heart that is so overwhelmingly concerned for those who are outside of the safety of His protection and grace. 
A parable is a story with a spiritual meaning. It tells us, and this, this bit was shocking to those who were first listening, that the shepherd, that God goes looking for those who don't know him. God goes searching to find them, to rescue them. This was not the common view for those who would have been listening to the parable for the first time. They knew all about sheep. Everybody did, they were everywhere, of course. But they thought God was only found in a temple, a place where you went to. Not a God who went looking for you. This is a massive reversal. In that day and age, you had to be good enough to approach God. And I'll say more about the mutterings of those who thought they had it all together at the start of this parable, those first couple of verses next week. But suffice to say, there were many who were tagged as not being good enough to get anywhere near God. And the same is true today. There are many who are tagged some self-labelled who are not good enough to approach God. And there are many in our suburbs, they're in our workplaces, they're at our unis, they're at our retirement villages, they're in our schools, they're in our sporting clubs, they're on our online groups. And here's the kicker, God goes searching for them leaves the 99 for the one. Watched a couple of YouTube clips depicting this parable or a, or a director's re, uh, rendition of what it might have actually looked like. And I, I was looking for what was the word picture that Jesus was painting that the original hearers would have, would have constructed in their mind. And, and so, because you and I might think, well, the shepherd, the farmer, in looking for that one sheep, he jumps on his four-wheel motorbike and races down to the back paddock finds the sheep, throws it on the back on the carryall and takes it back to the stockyards. Or he sends a dog around and, and the dog races around and, and brings it all back in safely. But no, guess what? The genes of the Kelpie were on a continent far away and four-wheelers hadn't been invented. It was different than what we understand. One particular video clip I watched showed a farmer searching high and low for several days. And the farmer endured rain and wind and nights out all alone in the quest to find the sheep. It showed him travelling through difficult, rocky, broken country in danger of being attacked himself. It showed a farmer going to extreme lengths to find and rescue the sheep. It wasn't nice, it wasn't clean, it certainly wasn't comfortable, let me tell you. That's far more what Jesus is getting at in this depiction. He was telling us this. He was telling us that God is active and far more active than, than you and I could ever imagine that God is relentless in his search for the lost sheep. You know, depicting humanity as sheep is hauntingly accurate. There's a picture I want to show you. It's on, the, it's on the front cover of a magazine, R.M. Williams magazine. And you can see the sheep funneling through the gate and there's, there's actually, even though you can see post, um, post fence, uh, you can see fence posts there, there is no fence. 
for the sheep to stop the sheep to funnel them through the gate. In fact, the sheep are just doing what sheep always do, follow each other. Anybody seen this before, this picture before? It's on the front cover of R.M. Williams magazine, it must be right. Sheep, sheep are not particularly smart. They will go their own way and do their own thing, even if there's danger. They often resist the wise and genuine direction of the farmer who has their best interests at heart. They do stupid things and anyone who has worked sheep will know exactly what I'm talking about. In this parable, we're led to ponder our status with the great shepherd, to think about our relationship with God, to think, are we the lost sheep? And if the answer is yes, then then I'll tell you what, my friends, there is good news. There, There is great news because I want to share it with you at this moment for the shepherd is relentlessly searching for us and wanting us to join him to come into the safety of his care. And I'm sure there's some here today or, or there's, there's some listening to me right now that feel exactly this way. If you feel lost, you know what I'm talking about. And if you feel lost, I have a compelling message for you. God is looking for you. God wants to find you. God wants to bring you home. God wants you to join him in the safety of his embrace, in, in the safety of the grace that he's providing for you. The image of God that we need to have in our minds is not of a God who's telling you off because of the things you've done wrong, but the God who searches for you relentlessly trying to find you. If that's you, if that's you at this moment, then let yourself be found. Back to the parable. The only difference we get in those different Types of sheep is one was found and one was lost. And so the farmer searched and then he found the sheep. There was great rejoicing, verse five. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I love that image of the farmer putting the sheep around his shoulders and returning home. I mean, who hasn't seen the picture of Jesus, a white robe, beautiful beard, blonde hair, little lamb that has just been blow drying <laughs> round his neck, all looking serene and lovely. Can you hear the irony, the facetiousness in my voice? Because in reality, it's very different. Sheep are heavy and they smell. And that have been in a paddock with prickles, when you pick them up, you get them all in your hands and you want that around your neck. And sheep, sheep don't like to be picked up and guess what they do? They kick. Do you want that near your face? I don't think so. It tells me this, that the shepherd is prepared not only to go in a search for the lost sheep, that involves significant hard work, it tells me the shepherd is willing to take a personal sacrifice to put themselves at a great risk and discomfort to bring the sheep home. It tells me the shepherd risks his own safety to bring the sheep home and it reminds me of Jesus. 
It reminds me a lot of what Jesus did in his life, in his death and his resurrection, all on our behalf. All because at one stage or another, we were all lost. We all needed finding. We all needed rescue. You did. We all did. All of us who know Jesus have been rescued. I tell you what, from a fate far worse than death, from living a life that is meanless, to, to pursuing our own interests, which are always, well, not often, in our best interest. And so the farmer gets home, calls his neighbour, has a great big party, and I mean, did he have a spit? Uh, I'll, I'll just go on. <laughs> what we're talking about, I just had to lighten the mode there for a moment. What we're talking about here is a God who cares about everyone, who searches, and then when things are put right, He celebrates, He has a party. Can you see and feel how good this is? Are you with me? This is good news of a relentless father, relentless shepherd who searches, and when he finds, it is the best thing ever. Like I've already said, this parable takes us through a journey of lost and searching, and here we are, found and rejoicing. This is what has happened for you if you know Jesus. This is what has happened for you. If you've already been in a relationship with Him, then, then this has been the deal. And you are invited now into the party for others. If you are yet to know Jesus, then this could happen for you, a great party where you are the honoured guest. When I think about it, it makes me feel warm and loved and secure in a world that gives me exactly the opposite. My friends, Jesus has opened the curtains of heaven and he's allowed us to look in. In these couple of short verses, he's communicated so much about who God is and what our value is, even one. That God's heart is for those who are far away from him those who should be in his care, but somehow for whatever reason have become lost, lost in their relationships, lost in their world, lost in their health, lost in their faith, lost in their destiny, lost in their existence. And Jesus tells us that God goes searching, that he looks, that he seeks and he works to find. And once he finds, he carries, he carries, he loves and he tends. And then he celebrates this is the God who parties and rejoices for that which was lost is now found. And there's a whole pile of stuff here I haven't pushed into, but it seems to me the rescue removes the danger. My friends, if you're lost, give it up. Give up all that is keeping you lost, whether it's yourself or the environment around you that's causing you in this way. Turn around, that's what it means to... To, to embrace Jesus, turn around, come face to face with a God who is searching for you. The 99 matter, but it gets very personal when God says, I'm looking for you. Let me lead you in prayer. And thank you, God, for the way in which you relate to us. It is it is so contrary to that which we think it could be. How you owning and knowing and having everything would still desire a relationship with us, that we are that important. 
that you would do what this shepherd does over and over again for all those who are lost, even us, even me. Thank you for that. May we respond in ways in which we can be found and walk in the, in the beauty and the love and the, the security of your grace for this days and the day to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.